You supposed to have that list already ready. No. No, Okay. Okay, so Okay, so when the serpent deceived man, right? Mm-hmm. God said that he was cursed above every beast of the field. Mm-hmm. So if beast is the beast, is how can he be more cursed than himself? Ask, like, okay. ask your question one more time. That just that last part. Um, how can a beast be more cursed than himself? If the beast of the field was a beast, then okay. so let me ask you a question. What makes you okay. think that Iblis was the beast of the field? That's to my understanding. That's where we left off. Where my confusion set in. Okay, so let me clarify uh-huh. what I said. Let me clarify what I said. So, go to Sora 18. Now, because I'm starting off with a question, do understand that this is going to be kind of impromptu, meaning uh, I'm going to answer the question, but this ain't planned, so we just just going to go with it. Okay? So, Sora 18 and then, Sister Jayhad, can you isolate, uh, not even isolate, start at verse 45, 1845, and then I'll tell you when to stop. Question on the table that we're answering is, is Iblis the beast of the field? And coin for them the similitude of the life of the world as water, which we send down from the sky, and the vegetation of the earth, mingleth with it, and then becometh dry twigs that the winds scatter. Allah is able to do all things. Wealth and children are an ornament of life of the world. But the good deeds which endure are better in thy Lord's sight for reward and better in respect of hope. And bethink you of the day when we remove the hills and you see the earth emerging and we gather them together so as to leave not one of them behind and they are set before thy Lord in rank. And it is said unto them, now verily have you come unto us as we created you at the first. But you thought that we had set not trieth for you. And the book is placed, and thou seest the guilty fearful of that which is therein. And they say, what kind of book is this that leaveth not a small thing nor a great thing, but have counted, counted it? And they find all that they did confronting them. And thy Lord wrongeth no one. And remember, when we said unto the angels, fall prostrate before Adam, and they fell prostrate, all save Iblis. He was of the jinn, so he rebelled against his Lord's command. Will you choose him and his seed for your protecting friends instead of me? Okay, stop there. 
Stop there. So I want you to read that last verse one more time. Read verse 50 one more time. And remember, when we said unto the angel, fall prostrate before Adam, and they fell prostrate, all saving bliss. He was of the gin, so he rebelled against his Lord's command. Will you choose him and his seed for your protecting friends instead of me when they are an enemy unto you? Okay, so if you remember elsewhere in the Quran where Allah tells us this story. Now, in this particular part in chapter 18, he brings up a detail that he doesn't bring up before. So when he deals with Adam, which is the uh, first time Adam brought up would be Surah uh, 2, verse 30. One, one of y'all just verify for me, make sure I'm telling you all the right scripture. 2, verse 30. And I'll come back to it in just a minute. Does somebody get, get it? And I'll come back and make sure I'm right. So verse, uh, Surah 2, verse 30 is the first time that Allah mentions the story of Adam. And in this story, he talks about how he summons the angels together. And I've already established that these angels are not all the angels, but rather the high chiefs, or what you understand from the Bible as the council. So he calls the council together, and he describes to them that he has made a decision to establish a new viceroy in the earth. So Paul. Allah had made the decision to establish a new viceroy in the earth. That would mean that there's a previous viceroy who has been dismissed. Everybody agree with that? That in order for there to be a new appointee, that there had to be a previous appointee that has either been dethroned or died. One of the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so if we back, if we back up before that, we know that prior to the man being on earth, there was a race of beings called the jinn. Now, we call them jinn today because we don't see them out in the open no more. What they were called before God called them the jinn, we don't know. But maybe Allah will give us that knowledge one day, but as of right now, all we know is Allah tells us they are the unseen ones. But we know that these unseen ones were the viceroys of the earth, but they became corrupt. And so Allah decided to remove them from the earth. So a civil war broke out. They fought against the angels, and the angels fought against them, the good angels. And some survived, some died, some were arrested and taken prisoner and are still held prisoner till this day. So there was a civil war that took place because of this rebellion. Now, if we back up, Back to the story. After the war, and you find out, too, that the character that helped the angels get to uh, the, 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 if I could call it the nest, the hive of where the, 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 the jinn were at, would have been Iblis himself, who was of the jinn. Now, we see right here that in this part, Allah brings up the fact to us that he was and is a jinn. So he's different from the Malika, but yet he was there with the Malika. Everybody got that? Mm-hmm. So even though he was of the jinn kind, there was something about Iblis that God promoted him 
to be a messenger to his own kind. And this is why when you get over to uh, uh, Sora 72, the Sora the Jinn, the Jinn tell us that we 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 would have never guessed that the jinn or any of the humans would have ever lied about our creator but the foolish one amongst us lied to us and misled us so when they bring up the foolish one who lied to us and misled us they're referring to none other than their messenger iblis so because of Iblis's anger, he went to his own kind and misled them and lied to them. Now, if that's hard to fathom, let's bring it to us. How many false prophets have you encountered in your lifetime? Mm. And I don't want anybody to honestly answer that. I just want you to think about what I'm saying. If a man or a woman can parade themselves off as being sent to you from God to give you a word, and you follow that word, trusting this person to be a man or a woman of God, and they lead you astray into some nonsense, do you get my point? If it can happen to us, it can happen to them. Because that's why the jinn said we would have never thought that a jinn or a human would have lied to us about Allah and then misled us. But the foolish one lied to us and misled us, but he explains that once they begin to see the bigger picture, we repented. We repented for believing this lie, and we came back and submitted. So even even out of the Quran's testimony, this is why I say when we talk about the jinn, they're not all bad. Some that rebelled repented. Some didn't repent. Some are still angry. Some have let it go and just realized that this was a lost decision and you know, regardless of how they feel about the decision and human, they they live where they live. They don't mess with humans. They hide from humans. They stay out the way. There are some that like to show off. They don't want to be invisible. They don't want to stand the unseen. So they do stuff to get humans' attention. Then you have the other group who just are diabolical because they have this ideology, we were here first. Screw the humans. Kill them all. Take our rightful place back. Okay, so we got that that just of that, that 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 Adam was created, the man, to take the role of leadership amongst those who were leaders before their fall. So again, when God tells the angels, when I place my spirit in him, and he becomes animated and wakes up, I want you to show him reverence. Respect him for the position he's in because he is going to be the viceroy. Everybody bowed down except one person, and that's Iblis, and he was of the jinn. Okay, so uh, go over to Sora 114 now. Sora 114. Sister J. Hyde, read that for me, please. Say, I seek refuge in the Lord of mankind, the King of mankind, the God of mankind, from the evil of the sneaking whisperer, who whispereth in the hearts of mankind. Stop there. Stop there. Stop there. So 
What does it say we are seeking refuge in the king of mankind and the god of mankind for? The evil of Say it again. We're seeking refuge from from the uh, evil of the sneaking whisperer. So, so Sister Samaria, if you had to, that's what I'm asking. But if you had to put that in just everyday 2021 terms, what are you saying? Well, um, we talked about our our thoughts being influenced, and our thoughts are not every thought you get is not necessarily your own. <clears throat> right. So. There is a source that is capable of speaking evil to your mind, um, your heart. So that's what we seek seeking refuge in our law from. Okay, okay. Now, in verse 4, Sister Samaya, I'm still dealing with you. Based on English, would you take this verse to mean plural or singular? Well, <clears throat> it sounds like it's singular because whisperer, the whisperer, is singular. Okay. So the answer here is that verse 4, even though we know all the shaitans have the ability to do this whispering, but this one is identifying one particular whisper. Say I seek refuge from the evil of the sneaking whisperer, whisperer, who whispers in the hearts of mankind. So keep the mind, keep the word whisper uh, uh, together. Okay, so now I want you to jump over to uh, Sora, uh, uh, chapter seven. We'll go to Sora 7 first. And then we're going to jump down to verse 1. Not 1. We'll jump down to verse. Let's start at verse 11. Start at verse 11. So at verse 11, actually let's go up to verse 10. So in verse 10, Allah tells us, and we have given you power in the earth and appointed for you livelihoods. Little do you give thanks. And we created you, then fashioned you, then told the angels all prostrate before Adam. And they fell prostrate all save Iblis, who was not opposed to make prostration. He said, what hindered you that you did not fall prostrate when I told you to? Iblis said, I am better than him. You created me of fire while you created him of mud. He said, then go down from here. It is not for you to show pride here, so go forth, and lo, you are those degraded. Stop. Verse 13. When he believes decides to rebel, what does God tell him in verse 13? Get out of here. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. And he's, he's but degraded. He was degraded. Okay, so degraded meaning out of everything I've made, you are the lowest. You are the bottom of the barrel, dude. You are the scum of the earth as far as I'm concerned. Everybody agree with that? Mm-hmm. Okay, so now if you take that and go back in your mind to Genesis where the serpent is told you are cursed more than anything, this is the same language. Everybody agree? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the one thing mm-hmm. I want you to see, that, that even though we're all saying, yes, God is saying get out of here, but particularly the language used is go down from here. So go back to Friday. Allah tells us, do not the disbelievers understand that at one time heaven and earth were one spot. Until I separated them. Now, if you go further in what Allah describes, he describes how he raised the heavens. So, this will explain how when you go back to old sources, it appears that the gods, as we understand them to be, seem to live and habitate very close to earth to the point that humans and these beings could so interact with each other. And this is even before the whole Genesis 6 conspiracy. So then at some point, heaven is then pulled up higher. Then there's a, a, a separator that's put in between the heavens and the earth that then keeps a separation of the higher beings versus the lower beings at a separate point. So when we say go down from here, that would explain that there's something up that they have the ability to come down. This is going back to what Allah said the other day. I know what leaves the heavens and comes into the earth, and I know what comes up from the earth and tries to go into the heavens. Everybody got that? Mm-hmm. So he says, go down from here, and you are both degraded. Verse 14, he said, reprieve me till the day when they are raised from the dead. So this goes to prove that Allah gave clear understanding of what he was doing. Because he believed had knowledge that these beings one day would be resurrected from their death. And this is why he asked the question. Give me give me one favor I asked of you. Let me stay alive. Don't let me die until the day that they're raised. So I want you to understand this one fact about your enemy. He knows that, that their resurrection equals the day of his demise. So he has until that day to wreak havoc. He already knows his life is over. He already knows there's no hope for him. So he doesn't care. This would be like a man on death row who just knows. It, it, I, I don't know if you ever watched the, the jail shows where they always got somebody that's always fighting and shanking people. Because they just don't care. They ain't never getting out. They never, never going to be able to go to parole, never be able to appeal their case. They're just a man waiting to die. So they don't care. Iblis does not care. There, there's no hope for him. Um, it's the same way with these people who get involved in the industry, and they make these packs with devils. They know there's no hope for them. They've sold their souls. So this is why they do all the all the wickedness and all the stuff they can now, because when it's done and over with, 
It's done and over with. Verse 15, he said, you are of those reprieve. He said, now because you sent me astray, verily I shall lurk in ambush for them on your right path. I shall come from before them, from behind them, from their right hands and from their left hands. And you will not find most of them beholden unto thee. He said, go forth from here, degraded, banished. As for such of them that follow you, I will surely fill hell with all of you. And unto man, this is what God says, O Adam, dwell you and your wife in the garden, and eat whence you will, but come not near this tree, lest you become wrongdoers. Then Satan whispered to them, so going back to 114, I seek refuge from the evil whisperer. So now do you understand who the whisperer is that's being identified? Satan, a.k.a. Bleach. Hey, you call him whatever you want to call him, but this is what he's good for, is whispering. Now, English in the Quran has translated the Arabic word waswas to whispering. Now, but if you look up Walsh Walsh, Walsh Walsh gives you a little bit more than just whispering. Walsh Walsh deals more with whispering in the sense of incantations, magical spells to put people under hypnotic trances, ways that you can chant words to mesmerize a person, ways that you can say something to make a person kind of just blank out their minds and that you can... Uh, what, 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 what do we call it today? Automatic, uh, suggestion. Where you can put a person's mind in a, in a, in a hypnotic state and then you make suggestions to them that ultimately what you're doing is controlling them without them realizing they're being controlled. If, 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 if that may, I don't know if you all ever heard of, of that practice or not where, uh, uh, people can do that. With, with, uh, uh, Making suggestions to you where you think it is a suggestion, but in reality, it's you being mentally controlled. Hypnosis? And I think it, 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 it falls under hypnosis. Okay, let, let, me bring it, let me bring it to the way it's being used today. So if you do some research into a government project called MKUltra Programming, MKUltra Programming would be similar to what this Waswas is. It is where you take a person and break them down mentally to the point that you put them into a hypnotic trance. So you're not asleep, you're not out your mind, you're very much conscious, but just in a state of mind where suggestions can be implanted into your subconscious that you would think the actions that you're doing are because you want to do them, not realizing that you're only doing what somebody told you to do in a very secretive way. Make it even more scary for you. MK Ultra is happening every day right in our everyday American home through television. Television causes your mind to go, or your brain, should I say, to go into a wave pattern where you're basically in a hypnotic state. Not knocked out, not unconscious, but you're in a hypnotic trance where, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, y'all help me with it. It's where, uh, oh, that's it. Subliminal, subliminal messaging. 
This is where okay. subliminal messaging can happen, where okay. your your mind is then put into a hypnotic state where I can subliminally put things into your mind without me without you knowing that I put things in your mind that I can later cause you to do because I whispered it to you. So anyways, it whispering deals more with incantation and black magic more than just walking up to a person and saying, hey, hey, you want an apple? Come get an apple. It's, it's not that. It's more enticing. It's more um, hypnotic. Okay, questions, comments on that before I go on with 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 this part. Okay, twenty. Go ahead, Sister Samaya. I just so happened to have had a, a conversation with my brother this morning regarding a movie that was made in 1988 called They Live. I don't know. If I've seen that before. I've yeah. seen that before. That's a crazy yeah. movie. <laughs> <laughs> And so these subliminal messages are everywhere. They're in our magazines, they're in the newspapers, they're in street signs, they're, they're just everywhere. And um, the way the movie portrayed it was like they were even uh, at corners where they had lights and so forth. They're the subliminal message that was playing that said something about stay asleep or something like that. Uh, they showed a man who was holding money and says, this is your God. Um, so they're everywhere, not just TV. TV is probably more common, and it's probably one of the more addictive things, but it right. is literally everywhere. Right, right. So so, so the sneaking whisper, like I said, verse 20 we identify him as Satan. So now let's go over to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, and then Sister Beth, can you isolate just verse 1, please? Three. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall eat of every tree of the garden. Okay, stop there. So, let's look up one thing. What does the word subtle mean? Subtle, like conniving, sneaky. Okay. Um, Google dictionary definition. I'm not saying your definition is wrong, just just for giggles. Let's let's see what the dictionary tells us this English word subtle means. Mm-hmm. Got it. What's it say? Um so delicate or precise as to be difficult to analyze or describe. Okay, now if you had to put that definition in your own words, what would you say it says? Subtle. Um, like, 
uh, covert ain't the right word. Um, I don't know, like, like, um, undercover manipulative type of. I, I, I one word comes to my mind. One word comes to mind. Um, uh, uh, you have brought it to gaslighting. Gaslighting. Yes, like elusive gaslighting, yes. Does everybody understand what gaslighting means? Nope. Okay. Uh, Sister Beth, what is gaslighting? Um, a person that will make you, a person that is gaslighting you will basically make you feel as if you are completely crazy and your logic is insane. Um, they will challenge what you know to be just absolute fact. Like, the sky is blue. And they're like, you're crazy. You just think it's blue because that's what you've been told your whole life. It's not really blue. It's green. And you're like, you're you're crazy. It's definitely blue. And they're like, no, that's just what you've been told. Why can't you hear me? Because, I mean, obviously I care about you and I want you to know the truth. It's that manipulative, that manipulative way of making you feel that your truth is absolutely correct. Okay, okay. Sister Jay, how will you get ready to say? I'm sorry, Tina, go ahead. Who's talking? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. uh, uh, Tina, go ahead. This is Jay Hot. Don't forget what you were saying. Don't forget what you were going to say, Sister Jay Hot. I was just going to say, I mean, that uh, what Sister Beth described sounds a little uh, deceptive. Um, if I was to describe subtle, I would say uh, that you would say something without saying it. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, Sister Sister Jay, how what were you going to say? I was going to use the word conniving. Okay. Now, when you say conniving, what exactly does that mean? Um, this it's the it's the same same play on on the word that we're that we're trying to say. You you say one thing, but you really mean another. Um, and you do it in a sneaky way. Okay, okay. So now if you if we go to the Hebrew on this word subtle, the definition given is cunning. Usually in a bad sense, crafty, prudent, subtle, uh shrewd, sly, uh crafty, sensible. So all that we're describing would all equate to this one word. It's a person who can be cunning, you know. Um, I'll show you subtle in church. When a person can get up and convince you to give $2,000 because that's what God wants today, that's that's subtle. I'm being very cunning, and just to show you what I mean, if you've ever been to a church that's done this, your emotions are played on. The pastor or the person speaking begins to talk in a very different tone to to, to, to pressure emotions. 
the music is playing real soft and all this, and then this, the, the anointing right now is here. Don't miss your blessing. Don't miss your blessing. Don't miss your blessing. This is your moment. This is your breakthrough right here. Get that checkbook out. God is saying right now there's five people that need to sow $1,000 today. Do it right now. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't miss this opportunity. Y'all get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then the person sitting there that gets sucked into this hypnotic trance because of the music and the way the guy's talking and the sob story that's being given, now your emotions are pulled into it. And now all of a sudden, the person is now convinced that God is guiding them to be one of the ones that's going to write the check for $1,000. Now, the beautiful thing I love is when I hear them say, even if it's not in your bank account, Step out on faith and write that check. God will put the money there. He'll meet you at your faith. You ever heard that one before? <laughs> and, and I've done it before, yup. <laughs> or they'll say, if you don't have your checkbook, use your credit card. If you don't have your credit card, use your bank card. If you ain't got that, look at your neighbor and ask him, can you borrow it and you'll, you'll pay them back. And then everybody runs to the altar because at this moment God is saying this is the moment of blessing. That that's cunningness. Cunningness. And this is why Peter talked about when it comes to the gospel, true men of God don't use cunningness to get the message across. We just preach the message. We don't use cunningness. We don't use and devise fables. We don't do those things. We just say what God says give you back the microphone, and then we go sit down. Okay, so now the serpent. Now let's look up serpent now. So if we go to the Hebrew for the word serpent, as we've looked at before, it comes back to the word nakash. And nakash comes from a heat word, uh, not a heat word, a root mm-hmm. word of nahas. Now this definition will tell you one who practices divination, a diviner, uh, 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 to observe, uh, to hiss, to uh, whisper, magical spells, uh, to divine, an enchanter, to use enchantment. So, so we're back to the same wording that Allah uses about this being in the Quran, being a whisperer. But now in the Bible, the serpent, or the whisperer, should I say, is called the serpent. And it's called a serpent because of this reason, because of this whispering. It's incantations to put you under hypnotic states almost. So we identified that the serpent is Satan. Yes? We all agree with that? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Beth, I want you to read verse 1 again, but instead of saying the word serpent, let's just say Satan. Take out the, or you can even put the, the Satan. The, the Satan simply means the adversary. So instead of saying the serpent, use the word Satan there, and let's hear how it sounds now. Now the Satan was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said Stop unto there. The, Stop there. Uh-huh. Stop there. So, Satan was more deceiving or more cunning or more crafty than any beast of the field. 
which would equate this being with being out there with the beasts of the field. So, answering back to your question, not saying that Satan was the beast of the field, but he was one of them. Does that make sense? What does it say? Are we saying then that the beast of the field was the jinn? But he was more that, cunning so than you the so you have to remember the beasts of the field that are being mentioned here were created on day six. So this is the creation from the first creation. Remember, Adam, according to the Bible, wasn't created till day seven. And then he's put in an enclosure away from the people from day six. But somehow one of the day six people come into the enclosure and then mess everything up. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay, that makes okay. sense. Okay, so now I want you to go to Isaiah 56. Okay, so as you're going to Isaiah 56, to point this part of the story out to you, let me, let me first say this. Again, when you read an Eastern book from a Western mindset, you'll miss what's actually being said. Now, proving that point over and over again, so I'm not going to drill that home right now. Just, just reminding that when we read the Eastern book with a Western mindset, we miss so much of what's really being stated there. Okay? So a lot of times there are Jewish idioms used, meaning we say this, but it actually means that. So if one is not a Jew and could think like a Jew, you will read Jewish words, and think it, of it from an English Western mindset, not realizing that that's not what the Jew meant when he said it. For instance, in Judaism, there is a term used called son of God. But if you don't understand that term son of God from a Jewish viewpoint, and you understand it from an American Western Christian, evangelical Christian viewpoint, the two don't match. So when the Christian refers to Jesus as the Son of God, it is not the same uh, equivalent as what the Jew means when he says Son of God. Both saying the same English word with two different meanings. To the Jew, the Son of God is a person who has proven themselves to be very close to God, meaning I'm going to say it like some say they got that red phone. When, they, when that man calls God, he answers. There's no, there's no, there's no delay. There's no hesitation. When that particular man calls, God answers. So to the Jew, that person would be a son of God, meaning that you're close to God. You're not, not just because of your prayers, but your lifestyle, uh, the way you carry yourself. You, you strive to do everything God tells you to do, and you strive to be close to God. That would be a son of God. So this is why Paul comes in the book of Romans, and says those that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. So anyone, according to Paul, who is led, the word led meaning under the influence of the Spirit of God, meaning that you would be close to God, because in order for God to influence me by his Spirit, I've got to be pretty close to him to feel his guidance. If, if I'm distracted and I'm not paying attention to him, he could be guiding me, but I'm not going to hear that guidance. But if I'm close to him and I'm focused on him, I'll understand the guidance. Make sense what I'm saying? 
versus the evangelical way of saying son of God, because then we mean that Jesus was literally the son of God. Do you see the two differences? Both were saying son of God, but one is referring more to position and closeness to God versus one being an outright son of God. Okay, so I said that to say this. There are things in the Bible where things are stated a certain way, and when taken literally from our Western mindset, we tend to think that that's what it's talking about when that's not what it's talking about. So, for instance, Isaiah 56. And then, Sister Jayhawk, can you start at verse 9, and I'll tell you when to stop. I'm so used to going the other way, I get confused sometimes. <laughs> all, you, all you beasts of the field come to devour. Yes. All you okay, stop there. Stop there. Stop there. Stop there. Um, let's start at verse. Da, 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 start at verse six. Also, the son of the stranger that joined themselves to the Lord to serve Him and to love the name of the Lord. To be his servant, everyone that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it and taking hold of my covenant, even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar, for mine house shall be called an house of prayer for all people. The Lord God, which gathereth the outcasts of Israel, saith, Yet will I gather others to him, beside those that are gathered unto him. Okay, All stop there. So, so, so the first few verses, it is evident that this scripture is making reference to people coming to a location to worship God. Would everybody agree with what we just saw? Mm-hmm. Okay, so then in verse 8, there's this obscure statement that there's going to be others gathered with the original group that was called. Everybody see the same thing in verse 8? Right. So now we're going to deal with another group. Read the next verse. All you beasts of the field come to devour. Yes, all you beasts in the forest. His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yes, they are great greedy dogs, which can never have enough. And they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way, everyone for his gain. From his quarter. Okay. So, Sister Jayhide, what have you ever met a dog that's out for his own personal gain? You ever met a dog that could lead people? Because that's what being a shepherd means, to lead somebody. You ever seen a dog do that? You ever seen a dog um, be a shepherd? Uh, the only the only comparison I, I could go with would be a wolf. A leader, the leader of the pack, but 
Uh, no, in in an ordinary dog, whoever I've seen them lead other dogs. Okay, great. Have Have you ever seen a person take a blind dog and set it at the door to be the guard dog? A blind oh, dog. No. Oh no, 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 no. That that, okay. that will never work be- because 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 in verse ten, God brings up these beasts and says they're. The watchmen are blind. They're ignorant. They're dumb dogs. So the question I'm going to ask is, in this verse, are we referring to dogs or are we referring to people? People. 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 Now, is, is, is the creator or is the scripture outright calling these people literal dogs? No. What I'm showing you is, is that the word dogs are used because remember it starts off by saying, and I'm paraphrasing, not only am I calling you, but I'm going to call other people too. Then he brings mm-hmm. up beasts and then starts talking about their dogs, blind, deaf, dumb dogs. So it's evident that we're not talking about animals here. We seem to be talking about people. Does everybody agree with that? Agreed. So it is clear then that the scripture sometimes equates the word beast or other animals with people. Now, if that's too hard to understand, let's bring it to our understanding today. If a man has three girlfriends and a wife, Uh what do y'all call that man? A dog. <laughs> okay, go over to Revelation twenty two. Have a comment. Go ahead, Sister Samaya. That puts me in the mind of uh the woman who was, went to Jesus and, and uh Jesus said something about taking the 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 bread from from uh his own to 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 uh, give it to the dog. Yeah. And, oh. and and if you go back and read that, when he makes the comment about dogs, he's clearly mm-hmm. making reference to the woman. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Sister Samaya. I'm sorry. You just excited no. me when you brought that up. And I didn't think about that one. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you hit that right. It just kind of added, by, by us uh, gaining this perspective, it, it just kind of, uh, how can I say, it kind of enhanced, you know, what was being said at that time. Right. I got right. you. I got you. So, again, even with that scripture, it shows that from a Jewish mindset, sometimes groups of people were equated with animals or something of that nature, but it wasn't talking about the animals. It was talking well, about people. Question. Go for it. Aren't a, aren't a, a, a group of them, don't they uh, refer to refer to people as, as cattle? You know? Ask We're the question in a different way, because the way you just asked it, three answers came to my mind. So for me to pick which answer to give you. Isn't there a group of a group of Jews that follow follow that that 
that nasty book, that book where it's, it's, it's lawful. The Talmud. The Talmud. The Talmud. Yeah. Don't they refer to people as, as cattle? Or as beasts. 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 Mm-hmm. Beast. Yes. Mm-hmm. In the Talmud, they say that anyone who does not have Jewish blood in them is nothing more than a beast. So, good point, Sister J-Hot. So, keep in mind that it's the very Jews who call everybody else beasts today that rewrote this book that you call the Bible. And this beast mindset that they have is not new. So many times in the Bible where you're reading about beasts, it's not talking about animals but groups of people. But I'll prove this to you as we go here. Okay, um, Revelation 22. Um, and we'll start at verse 14. Sister Beth, can you, can you start there for me, please? Yes, you said what chapter? Uh, Revelation 22, and start at verse 14. Yes, okay, there we go. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolater, idolaters and whosoever loveth and, make, loveth and maketh a lie. Okay, stop there. So, those who do the right thing have a right to come into the city. But outside the gate are dogs, sorcerers, whoremongers, and all the rest that was named. So where it makes reference to the dogs, are these actual dogs or are these people? People. People. The, they all are in the category of people. Okay. So, so when Sister Samaya says they are all within the category of people, let's go back to Genesis now. Now, can't recant that statement. They seem to all be in the category of people. So, say hi while you laughing. I like how you you made made Sister Tina feel like you trapped her. (laughs) You cannot recant. Recant. I I felt that, Sister Laura. I felt Uh that. (laughs) Okay. So let's jump down, Genesis 1. Genesis 1. And we're going to go down to verse 31. So in verse 31, it says, And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good, and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So I want to go back to day six again. So let's go up some so that we understand what what took place in day six. So go up to verse 24. I have a question. Go for it. Um, the, the verse that you had me read earlier um, where it said that he was more subtle than any beast that the Lord God had made. Yeah. I've learned from – I know from previous um, lessons – 
that when in reference to Lord God, we're not talking about Creator. We're talking about Jehovah. Um, Jehovah. So is that Jehovah claiming to be the one that made the um, made a belief? Um, well, Jehovah and the belief are the same person. That's what I thought. So I'm like, how does Jehovah claim to make a, a belief? Okay, so to make this make sense to you, in your Bible, which is the rewritten Torah, you have fragments of the original and and a lot of fragments of what they added to the scriptures to make their God number one. So we redacted anything about Allah in the original story, and we took pieces of the original story and added them to our version of the story so that it seems like the one story. Again, Sister Beth, you will never hear me say don't read the Bible because it's a bunch of lies. I say that the student must study for themselves and come to the conclusion that, yes, there, there, there seems to be a lot of stuff going on in this book, that it, it, it ain't adding up. So does that kind of give you, put you back yeah, on track? Okay. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Thank you. So, so in reality, we are reading the true story of creation. This is why Allah comes back in the Quran and says, I tell you in truth. But what they've done is taken fragments of creation and then added a lot of the Babylonian tales to it, merged it all together, so therefore their God seems to be the one who created all things. So this is why evangelical Christianity, who's been misled by the Jews, get up and say, there's no God like Jehovah, there's no God like Jehovah, and they have no clue who Jehovah is. Because of the redaction of the real story added with twists and turns from a Babylonian story, put all together in a book called the Bible, and then handed back to the world, and we were told, these are God's words. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Gotcha. Okay, all right. So in verse 22 of chapter 1, um, actually we'll go up to verse 20. Because we're in day six. I'm just going backwards. So in verse 20, and God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that has life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. So God created whales and every living creature that moves, which waters brought forth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And he blessed them and said, uh, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let the fowl multiply and the earth and the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Now, verse 24, going into the sixth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing and beasts, of the earth after his kind, and it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth after his kind, the cattle after their kind, and every creeping thing upon the earth after his kind, and God saw that it was good. So reading it again makes it look like we're talking about 
is animals. Right. Would everybody agree with that? Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, look down at verse 30. So in verse 30 it says, And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life, I have given you green herb for me, and it was so. So jump over to chapter 2 now. So that was day 6. So in day 6, it would appear that the beasts of the of the field, which in chapter 1 are called the beasts of the earth, but beasts of the field comes up in chapter 2 here. Um, um, so you got beasts of the field, you got the cattle, you got creeping things, and then you have the fowl of the air. So you have four categories that are named, but again, looking at it at the surface, you think animals. So let's jump down to verse um, 20. Actually, we'll start at verse 18. 18. Genesis 2.18 states, And the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a help meet for him. So if you jump up to verse 15, this is where the man that was made from the dust, which we established already Friday, so I won't, I won't spend too much time with this, that if you look at the creation of the man from Genesis 1, it's completely different from the creation of the man of Genesis 2. The man of Genesis 2 seems to have been created from dirt, where the man from Genesis 1 seems to be created because God just said, be. Everybody remember that we went through that. We agree. We still agree on that, correct? Amen. <laughs> okay. So in verse 18, I mean, verse 19, it says, And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. Adam gave names to all the cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to the beasts of the field. For uh, I'm sorry, but to Adam there was found no help meet for him. So question about verse 20. If the fowl of the air and the beasts of the field and the cattle are all animals, why not just say that Adam named all the animals? Why break these categories down like this if we're all just talking about animals? Is that, is that, is that a reasonable question? I'm confused. Say that again. I get a different way. Can you please? <laughs> okay. So let's say it this way. Uh, if you had a bear, a chicken, a dog, and a cat, and an elephant, and I came to you and said, hey, I got this boat that I want to put them on. And it was the day of, would it be easier for me to tell you, Beth, bring me the animals? Or would it be easier for me to tell you, bring me the dogs versus the cats? Versus the elephant, versus the chicken, versus the rooster. Which which one would be easier to just say? Animals. Or did or did I just complicate the question even more? <laughs> no, animals. That makes sense. 
Okay, so the question that I'm asking in verse, go ahead, Sister Samaya. So that says something all in itself, that says something about the cattle and the fowl of the air. Yeah. Because because they all have their own category. But uh, on a side note, though, one thing has nothing to do with the other. It seems like the Bible, to me, I have been under the impression that Adam named the, gave all the animals, or let's say the the cattle, the fowl, the air, and every beast their name. But the Quran says, if I, if I'm saying it right, that God taught him. Correct. Correct. Now it's funny you bring that aspect up. I was gonna bring that up, but since you brought it up and bring this up, based on reading verse. 20 at the surface it looks like what's being said is that god brought all these items to him and told adam to name them and whatever adam named them that's what it was so that's a chicken that's a a peacock that you get what i'm saying but if you look into the hebrew that's not what this says in the hebrew what it states is god brought this to him to have him place them in rank and whatever rank he appointed, that's what they were. And you find this out by looking through the word name. You look into the Hebrew word name there. It's not describing name in the sense of Tina, Jehad, Beth, an orange, an apple, but it seems to deal more with process and rank. So Adam was setting things in order. You're first, you're second, you're a third, you're a fourth, so on and so on. Make sense? Yes. Okay. Now, the obscure part of this story that nobody seems to catch on to is um, uh, Sister Jaha, read verse 20 again. And I want to see if any of y'all catch it before I bring it out to you. Read verse 20 again out loud, please. And Adam gave names to all cattle. And to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found and help me for him. Okay, so what stands out to you in that verse of Jehad? Now, before you before you answer me, I'm I'm gonna bring one thing up for you to think about. From verse, let me go back in front of it. From verse eighteen. So let's go back to verse 18 and, 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 and figure out how this starts off. So read verse 18 out loud for me. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a help me for him. Okay, so based on this verse, what is the topic of discussion? A help, help me, me. For, for, for Adam. Okay, mm. so now jump back down to verse 20. Read verse 20 again. Well, uh, he's still alone. And Adam, <laughs> gave names, and Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found and help meet for him. Okay, so when you put verse 18, 19, 20 together, 
is this telling us a story about Adam out here naming animals? Or is Adam looking for a wife? He's looking for a wife. So why would Adam be looking for a wife amongst animals? Exactly. That's why I chuckle. <laughs> Unless we're going to admit that Father Adam was into bestiality, this is a very obscure part of the story here. It's clear from verse 18 that what's going on is everybody else seems to have a mate except for a man. So then God brings some candidates to him for him to place in rank. But by the time he's done looking through all suitable things, he still ain't found a mate that's good for him. Question again is, why was he even looking for a mate amongst animals? That makes no sense. Go ahead, Sister Beth. Okay, if you look at 18 and it says, and God found, you know, saw that man was not, he shouldn't be alone, right? He said, I'll make right. him a help me for him. And then in 19, it starts talking about how the, how God started forming out of the dirt all these different animals. Was his first intention that maybe Adam could mate with these animals? Um, okay, so let me throw something back at you. Does the Bible say that God does not change? Yeah. Okay, so what sense would it make for our first father to be told to go bang some animals, but then the Creator turns around and tells us that that's totally against his kingdom law for us to be out banging animals? It makes no sense. Right. So, okay, right, but, but it okay, doesn't make sense do that he would see. Right. Okay, but that's, that's my question. Why would he say it's not good for man to be alone, and then here let me make some animals? Okay, because these animals are animals. These are people. The beasts of the field are people. The cattle okay, what about the fowl of the air? People. So the fowl of the air are people. That's a race of people that we call the hens. I don't have time today to go through who each of these categories are. I, my goal today was just to prove to you that there were people already here by the time Adam gets here. Oh, wow. This is why he's looking for a wife amongst the beasts of the field. But none was suitable for him. So now, now keep in mind, why would the man be looking for a spouse, but according to Genesis 1, there was a man and a woman that God told them be fruitful and multiply. Mm. So okay, then I have another, for another question. Go for it. So if in 20 it says that he, because man was alone and shouldn't be, in 20 it says that God created the beast of the field and the fowl of the air. There's nothing about cattle, but then Adam is naming cattle and the fowl of the air and the beast. So where does the cattle get thrown in there between 19 and 20? Because the cattle here, of course, you're going to think cattle in the sense of animals. This is not talking about animals. These are the people from day six. Let it, let it sink in. I'll give you a minute. I'll give you a minute. I'll give you a minute. It's hard to absorb it because... All we know, all our, all our life, all we know is cattle as uh, cows, and you know, 
And that's how, how we picture when you say cattle, automatically cows pop in your head or, or, or bulls or, you know, something like that. And I can accept. Right, and I can accept that the beasts of the field are gin, and the fowl of the air are hen, so what are the cattle? It's a group of people. But again, I'm, if, you, if you can't hear it in my voice, I'm trying to avoid getting into the topic of <laughs> what exactly <laughs> this group of people are. I'm just... I'm just right now trying to emphasize the point by by just looking at it for what it is that these cattle and these fowl and these beasts of the field can't just be regular animals because it's evident that the man is looking for a fowl. Why would he? Okay, so I will add that to the list. Huh? I will just add it to the list and we can go over that later. But does it give you enough to think about? Yes. Okay. All right. Go ahead, Sister uh, Samaya. So we just looked up the word suck. Right. To me, this is is it right here. Yes, ma'am. I figured you was about to say that. This is that. This is what subtle means right in front of us. Where I'm clearly telling you the story, but I'm side telling it so that you really don't get to know the truth. You only know as much as I want you to know, and I can control how you think about this story. Exactly. So in the end, you can't find me at fault for not telling you. I just didn't tell you everything. I told you. You just didn't catch on to what I was saying. Right. I'm telling you without telling you. Right. <laughs> now, Sister Sabias, since you bring that point out, I got two things that just happened. First, pause. Actually, no, I will go with you first before I forget. Said it that way and said it that way, how does that make you a reader of the Bible feel to know that we have stories that are being told to us without outright being told to us? In other words, we're, we're being kept back from the truth on purpose. But that's it's in particularly as we have been uh venturing into Islam, um, that's been the whole story right here. That's that's the whole thing in a nutshell. Everything, right on. everything you read the Bible, you have to, you know, know how to read it and know what certain things mean and um and you come to realize exactly what you're talking about. So it it's a journey. So I Right. I've grown to, it's kind of like, like I said, coping mechanism. It, it kind of gets you through the, it kind of gets you through the shock of it all. Because we've been shocked. I got you. I got you. I got you. And then the second thing, Sister Beth, you all right. I felt, I, I felt an energy shift. Like, what? Are you Okay. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just processing. My mind's going. I'm good. Okay. Okay. Now, back to the beasts of the field. One way that you could determine that these beasts of the field are not animals is for the Hebrew word that is used as che. Che does not describe animals. 
K describes a living being that carries the breath of life in it with a high intelligence. So understand, I understand we, we, we agree chickens have intelligence, but their intelligence is not like our intelligence. We all agree with that. The dog has intelligence, but the intelligence of the dog is not as high as that of, 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 of one of us, of mankind. So the dog can think, it feels, it has emotions, it, it, it can plot, all that good stuff. But a lot of the dog's actions is based upon its instinct versus my will to control what I want to do. If a dog feels like it wants to attack, a dog won't sit back and rationalize, that child's too small for me to attack. Yeah, if I do that, that's just bad. I'm not, I need to find somebody bigger to attack. No. Once instinct kicks in, if the dog's going to attack, it don't care if it's a baby, a toddler, a grown person. It's just going to do what its instinct has guided it to do. Whereas we can get the feel to attack somebody and can step back and rationalize it before we do it. The animal can't do that. Because the intelligence level is different. They have intelligence because they have the breath of life in them, but not to the degree that we have. So this is why you can go get a dog and you and the dog can bond. A dog can be your best friend. The dog will be loyal to you. I just had a talk with Milo this morning. Me and Milo had a good talk this morning. Because here lately, Milo just does not leave my side. If I go to the bathroom, he goes to the bathroom. You know, I told him this morning that I went to go brush my teeth, and he came in there and sat down by my feet, and I looked down, I spit my water out, and I said, Milo, I appreciate the loyalty, man, but you don't have to go everywhere I go. Like, if I go sit in the recliner, he'll get up and come lay at my feet. Then if I go get into bed, he wants to jump up in the bed, lay it right next to me. This, 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 this dog just wants to be right next to me. If I go outside, he wants to go outside. Yesterday, I laughed at myself because I had a sister J-Hop mom. I told you I used to, I used to make fun of mom. The mom used to talk to her dog. She used to talk to that dog like it was a person. I used to tell her, like, mom, that's greasy as a dog. And she understands what I'm saying, like, mom. She's a dog. You keep yelling at her. She So, okay, so yesterday I was doing yard work and taking care of stuff, and Milo was at the door. He And, and y'all, I've never had a dog that can scream like a person. This dog screams like a person. <laughs> I told myself the other day because I was getting out the car, and I guess he heard me, so he was in there just screaming. And I told myself, I said, I know. The neighbors probably think I got somebody chained up in this house. Because <laughs> that dog, you'll hear him all the way outside. <laughs> anyway, he was at the door just screaming. I'm trying to do what I'm doing. I kept saying, Milo, shut up. So he'd get quiet for a minute, then he'd go back to screaming again. So finally, I got so agitated with him screaming, I put I put the uh the, the, the leaf blower down. I came in the house. I said, I'm sick of it. I am sick of you sitting up here crying like a spoiled little brat. 
Pastor, you want to go outside, you go outside and you stand outside and you better not ask me to come back in this house. <laughs> so I took him out, put him on the chain, and he was fine. But when I went in the house, he came to the door. So I went to the door. I said, no, you wanted to go outside, so stay outside for a while. It's a nice day. Play outside. And I shut the door, and then I went upstairs, and I sat down, and I laughed at myself. I said, you had the nerve to tell Sister J-Hyde about talking to the dog like it was a person, but you just had a whole conversation with your dog and an argument on top of that. And you don't think that's not – you don't think that's abnormal to have an argument with a dog? <laughs> But, but you all get my point. They have intelligence, but not to the degree that we have it. So when you look into beasts of the field, which comes back to the word che, most times in the Bible where che is used, it is more making reference to a human-type figure. So I hope by now you can at least be open-minded to understand that maybe beasts of the field aren't animals, but different categories of people that existed before the man existed. Okay, questions, comments before we move on. Go ahead. What'd you say? Go ahead. So um, this might be a far stretch, but. Is there any relevance or relationship to the idea that slaves were called chattel? Oh, my God. Say, say it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, when he said Che, it just kind of triggered something. In me. I said, is there any relationship to the idea that uh, slaves were referred to as chattel? Oh, because you got to remember, it's the Jews who held the slave trade. And so with the chattel laws and all this they put in place, yet yeah, it's because to them we were beasts, we're cattle. Yes. So, yes, you're 100% right in your thinking, but if you tie this into what I'm trying to explain to you, that it's them that rewrote this story. So it is very possible that the groups of people that they're calling beasts were not animals at all. Again, unless we are prepared to say that our father Adam was trying to bang animals in the Garden of Eden, which nobody's going to want to tell that story, then we now have to ask the question, why was he looking for a mate amongst the, the beasts of the field yes. if these were animals? Why was he – why what? He was going to marry a bird? <laughs> Go marry a bird, man. I mean, you know. So, so if you read the rest of Genesis two, then the decision was made to bring forth the woman from the rib, and then the woman was brought to him, and then you know that that there, there goes the story. So, um, um, uh, go over to Sora six. I'll show you a couple more things, and we'll wrap this up. So, so any questions on the beast? Beast, have we wrapped our minds enough around the fact that the beast may not be animals after all? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Again, again, if I had time to take you through a lot of the Bible, 
uh, uh, matter of fact, while I'm watching the top, on top of my head, um, Sister Beth, uh, Google uh, the Book of Jashar. Chapter 6. Okay. And I want you to read verse 1 through 3 for me. And I believe in my mind it's chapter 6. And I'm pretty sure I'm right. If I'm wrong, God forgive me. But I'm pretty At sure I'm right. Go ahead. At that time, after the death of Methuselah, the Lord said to Noah, Go thou with thy household into the ark. Behold, I will gather to thee all the animals of the earth, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the air. And and they shall okay, all come. Pause, and pause, pause, pause. Again, the question would be, why say I'm bringing you all the animals and then turn around and say the beasts of the field and the birds of the air, wouldn't they be considered animals too? It's kind of like different things. So the beasts of the field, and yeah, we're, we're not talking about just animals here. This is why I keep saying that ancient sources tell us it wasn't just Noah and his family on that ark. Even the Quran confirms that it wasn't just Noah and his family on that ark. There so were Noah took Jen on the ark. Noah took Jen on the ark. Matter of fact, I told you. Well, uh, you may not have been in that class, Sister Beth, but one of the one of the one of the Nephilim we know for sure that was tagging along on the ark. His name is Og, and Og is talked about very much in the Bible. Right, but he and said Og, all 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 the animals of the earth, all well, of the beasts of the field. Let, let's 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 make let's make sense of that. Could all the animals of Earth have fit into the boat in, in, in reality? They ain't all coming over here on no caravan. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, right, but didn't we already learn that the whole Noah's Ark thing was astrology or astronomy? From the Bible point of view. But there is a true story that God told Noah to build a boat. And he took so much life of animals and other things on that boat with him. Now, the key word is earth. Because if you look into the word earth, it does not describe the entire planet, but the area. So in other words, he was to take animals from the area along with beasts of the field and other things that was in that area that was about to be flooded, and then they survived. And then they oh. came out, and then we started over. So if we okay. understand Earth to be the region, then yes, at that point, it is very possible to take the animals, all the animals of the region, at least two of each kind, as we understand from the Bible and the Quran. So at that point, it would be possible. But if you say every animal across the world, period, two of each, there's no way. There's no way. Make sense what right. I said. Yeah, basically you're saying there was no penguins on the ark. They wasn't in the air. Okay, go ahead, finish reading. Go ahead, finish reading that, Sister Beth. Okay. And they shall all come and surround the ark, and thou shalt go and seat thyself by the doors of the ark, 
and all the beasts, the animals and the fowls shall shall assemble and place themselves before thee, and such of them as shall come and crunch or crouch, sorry, crouch before thee, shalt thou take and deliver into the hands of thy sons, who shall bring them to the ark. And all that will stand before thee, thou shalt leave. And the Lord brought this about on the next day, and the animals, beasts, and fowls came in. Stop there. Stop there. So the instructions are kind of similar to what we read in the Quran. The ones that were rebellious and just remained standing because they weren't going to be submitted to this, leave them behind. But the ones who bow in reverence, let them go. So again, this is not just talking about just animals. These were groups of people or beings, if we can even call them that, that, okay, so look at it this way. Even though the flood story seems pretty wrathful, if you really pay attention to the flood story, even with that, God had mercy. So he didn't just, just kill innocent innocent life, and he, he spared those who, des- who deserved to be spared, and then those who needed to be removed, they were removed. The same way it's going to happen on this time. Those who need to be removed are going to be removed. Those who he's going to spare are going to be those he are gonna, he's going to spare. So even in the midst of judgment, God is yet still merciful, because it's, it would be no mercy if he just wiped everything and everybody out. But very merciful if I am selective in what I wipe out versus what I say. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, so source six. Hey, man, even the cat can <laughs> say it. <laughs> so verse six, uh, um, not verse six, chapter six. And let's jump down to um, I at 128. So, Sister Jayhad, if you could start there, please, and I'll tell you when to stop. In the day when he will gather them together, he will say, Oh, you assembly of the gin. Many of humankind did you seduce. Stop. Why doesn't why didn't God say many of mankind you seduce? Because when you understand that jinn are a part of mankind, it, but different from humankind, this is why mankind is not used and humankind is used instead. Mm-hmm. We are all mankind, but they're not human like us. They're different from us, but they're part of mankind. This is why they're able to sleep with our women and produce children, because we are all considered mankind. But they're not humankind like we are. Does that make sense? It's kind of going back to your question to Flora on Friday night. Before you went sleepy night night. No. <laughs> 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 refresh my memory. What was the question that I asked? Your question was, why, well, how was I saying that gin and humans 
where both mankind but Jen can choose when they can be seen or not, how how do we say if okay. if if we don't see them but they're they're part of us. Okay, so go ahead and read. And their adherents will say, Our Lord, we enjoy one another, but now we have arrived at the appointed term which thou appointed appointed us for us. He will say, Fire is your home. Abide therein forever. Save him who Allah willeth to deliver. Thy Lord is wise, aware. Thus we let some of the wrongdoers have power over others because of what they are want to earn. Oh, you okay, stop sister. there. Stop there. Stop there. Go over to Psalm 41. Now, I pointed that scripture out to you to show you that there are times in the Quran where Allah makes reference to mankind. And what you'll notice is, is that within mankind are associated humans and jinn. But then there are times where Allah speaks to each group individually. Oh, you jinn. Oh, you humankind. So there's a difference when God says mankind, when he's referring to all of us, versus when he's talking to humankind, when he's talking to that kind, versus when he says, oh, you jinn, versus that kind. And unfortunately, well, I shouldn't say unfortunate because Allah's in control. Uh, the, the 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 just of it is, on this earth, you got all kinds of different kinds, but we're all one big family, okay? So, for instance, I give you another example. Uh, 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 Jen, what we were talking about Friday night. So the first mention of of outright jinn, physical jinn, in the Bible is found in Genesis chapter 10, where it distinguishes the descendants of Shem, Ham, Japheth. And if you remember, Shem and Ham are never called Gentiles. It's only Japheth and his descendants that are called Gentiles. First part of Gentile is Jinn. I don't have time to break Gentile down today, but Gentile does not mean a person that's non-Jew. Gentile actually deals more with the fact of a family line that's connected to the Gentile family. Oh. Now, later, later on, you'll call them Nephilim, whatever you want to call them, but Gentile, this is why Japheth or the, Europe, the, the ones that went to the Caucasus Mountains, the Jinn family, this is why they were called Gentiles. But to hide their identity, they took it and flipped that word on everybody else and told everybody else that if you're not part of our bloodline, you're a Gentile. So then in their secret books, they tell each other that anyone who's out of their bloodline are beasts. So the very thing that they are, they took it and put it on us, took our identity, and then left us out here naked. Kind of like how they did the word kinetic. Right. Yes. 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 They just, they just, they just flipped it. 
And then after generation after generation of being lied to, we just believe their lies now. And if you think about it, this is crazy that a whole group of people, not all of them know that they're liars, but the ones at the top know that they've been lying to the world for generations. I've even asked myself, how do they sleep at night? Knowing that they're manipulating and deceiving and being, what's the word we looked up? Uh, sub, sub, y'all know it, subtle. Subtle. Yeah, this is, this is what they're doing. Okay, so so 41 and verse 25 says, and we assign them comrades in the world who made their present and their past fair seeming unto them. And the word concerning nations of the jinn and humankind who passed away before them has effect for them, lo ever, lo they were ever, Losers. So, so if you pay attention here in verse twenty-five, it says the word concerning nations of the jinn and humankind who passed away. So, if the nations of the jinn before us have passed away, that should let you know that the jinn do not have immortality. They live and they die. Have you ever heard of a ghost dying? <laughs> Verse 26 says, those who disbelieve say, heed not this Quran, and drown the hearing of it, happily you may conquer. But verily we shall cause those who disbelieve to taste an awful doom, and verily we shall requite, or requite them the worst of what they used to do. That is the reward of Allah's enemies, fire. Therein is their immortal home payment for so much as they deny our revelation. And those who disbelieve will say, our Lord, show us those who beguiled us of the jinn and humankind. We will place them underneath our feet that they may be amongst the neithermost. So the reason why it says show us those who beguiled us amongst the jinn and the humans is because you must remember that a lot of details to us that when it comes to the shaitans, as in Arabic, the shaitans, there's two sides of this. You have the shaitans who remain unseen, and then you have the shaitans or the devils who have taken on very much human form or just outright human like us, flesh, blood, and bone out in the open scene. And these are the people like the Epsteins and and the people who can just do ungodly things to people with no conscience, those are devils. So are they ghosts? Are they specters? Can we see them? Yes, we see them. But because they look so much like us, we don't see them for what they are, devils. <laughs> Sister Jayhan, have you ever encountered the devil? I believe I have. Uh, I was going to say, it sounds, I was going to say, it sounds like in Psalms, you know, where it talks about, um, I'll put you at the right hand and make thine enemies thy footstool, like it seems to kind of stay the same lineup. Right, right. Now, I'll say something else to you that you've heard all your Christian life, just nobody ever explained it. 
Jesus tells a parable about Satan sowing seed in the earth along by, alongside the seed that God sows in the earth. The seed that grows from God, Jesus called wheat. The seeds that Satan sowed were called prayers. And Jesus tells his followers, don't waste time trying to distinguish between the wheat and the tare because in the end, God will separate the wheat from the tare. Now, in church, we were taught this was the difference between Christians who actually lived holy versus those who called themselves Christians and just lived carnal life. But in reality, what Jesus is actually talking about, if you understand the context, is the wheat and the tares are going to grow up side by side. Those of us and those of them of mankind are right next to each other, and only Allah knows which one of the groups have the right hearts. Again, not every jinn is evil. There are some jinn who worship God. They love God. They submit to God. They may not fool with humans often, or they may not come out in the open too too often, but it's 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 it's, it's a done it's, it's it's a real deal. Um I'm trying to think, should I say this? I will. I'll go ahead and say it. Um, several ways, if one ever really wants to encounter one of them, is the best place to find them are out in the woods, around caves, around secluded areas where humans don't come out a lot often. If you go out there with the intention to find them and your your heart is really set on it, Nine or ten times you will have some type of weird encounter because you're basically invite your energy is inviting one of them to engage with you. And if they find a human that's interested, they will engage. Now, I can't promise you it'll be a good one or a bad one, but if you send the signal out that I want to engage one of them, like I said in the movie, you had some that felt that the old traditional way of doing this, of us staying out of human affairs and us staying within our own jurisdiction, you have those today. They still have, and if you read Sorrow 72, it explains this, where the gen says we're not all the same. We have different tribes. We have different bloodlines. Some of us get along. Some of us fight each other. Some of us love a lot. Some of us hate each some of us are good, some of us are evil, and some of us are indifferent. We go back and forth. So just like people, they're like, you get what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, if you want to encounter them, go, go, out, go out in the woods, around caved areas or wooded areas. Um, abandoned homes is another spot that, that they like to hang out in. Um. Now, when you get to the bad ones, they like to hang around filthy stuff. So, abandoned homes. If you, if, 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 if you see an abandoned home and there's a lot of, like, bad activity around that home, it's nine or ten times because there's a gin somewhere living in there. And it, you will not see it come out and be going to the grocery store and stuff like that. But <laughs> <laughs> nine out of ten times. There, there's a gin in there, or a, a gin family. They, they, they have families. They, they'll find a secluded spot, and they live. Um, what we call poltergeists are nothing more than gin who just don't come out and let you see them. 
but they can do things by moving stuff around, throwing stuff at you. And the goal is, is that they're trying to scare you because they feel like you've invaded their home. They were living there at first, and then you moved in, and they don't want to share the house with you. So you got to go. One, one of us has got to go, and it's not me. So they do horrible tricks to a person. They, they just do horrible things, slam doors, cut lights on and off. They don't mean no harm to the humans. They're not trying to hurt the humans. They just want to scare them. And then, again, some of the gin have the, the younger ones particularly have the viewpoint that they don't want to remain in the unseen no more. They want to be seen. So they come out and they do weird stuff. They, they let themselves be caught in pictures. They let themselves be seen by humans sometimes. And then, yes, they have to answer to their counsels for breaking their laws. But you, you, I, I hope you get my point that just like we have life and laws and civilization, it's the same way with them. Okay. Um, go to uh, back to Sora 6. Show you the last few eyes, and then we're done. Sora, go back to Sora 6. And then, Sister Jaha, can you just read verse 100 for me, please? I'm getting there. Yet they ascribe as partners unto Allah the Jinn, although he did create them, and then put falsely, without knowledge, sons and daughters unto him. Glorified be he, and high exalted above all that they ascribe unto him. Okay, so the sons and daughters that the ancient people used to ascribe to Allah were nothing more than the jinn. Hence, when the Hebrews rewrote, or the Jews, should I say, rewrote this story, they make a statement and say, um, and when men begin to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were compatible. And they took wives, each of their choosing, and in those days the Nephilim were born. That's Genesis 6 in verses 1 through whatever I just quoted. So the sons of God, as you see here, Allah is saying, those that were called my sons and my daughter were nothing more than the jinn because they were created. They're not man. This is why Allah emphasizes over and over, I don't have offspring. In order for me to have offspring, I would have to have a consort. I don't have no consort, so I don't have no offspring. I don't have sons. I don't have daughters. It's only me. And those that you call my sons and daughters are nothing more than the jinn. So all these deities that we call the sons of God, do you get my point? They were nothing more than the jinn. Um, yeah. Go, go to uh, Sora 7. Sora 7. And then we're going to go to... Uh, verse, um, we'll look at verse 38. 
So 738 says, he says, enter into the fire among nations of the gins and humankind who passed away before you. Every time a nation, a nation entereth, it curses its sister nation till when they have all been made to follow one another thither. The last of them said unto the first of them, Our Lord, these led us astray. So give them double torment of the fire. He said, For each there is double torment, but you know not. The reason I bring this out again is because of verse 38. It is evident that the jinn pass away. They do not live forever. So they're not immortal beings. They're not gods. They're not ghosts, again, because ghosts don't die. They're physical beings, but you have to remember they've been here longer than us. So, okay, um, Sister Jayhawk, because... You asked this question on Friday. Can you admit that as of the 21st century today, we have technology now that can cause cars or people to be cloaked in invisibility temporarily? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we had to have gained this technology from somewhere. So that would mean if we're just now coming up to the fact that we can make ourselves or our airplanes or whatever it is invincible, somebody before us had this technology and then taught us how to be invisible. So, again, they have technology where they can be invincible. So if they don't want to be seen, they can be invisible. And move stuff around again. Sister Samaya tells a perfect story about this. Somebody sat down next to me and then got up, and there was a butt print left next to me. So in order to leave a print in the couch, you have to have some type of physical mass. You, you are not transparent and just floating through stuff when you're leaving butt prints or imprints in seats. Right. Okay. We've all, I'm pretty well. Sister Samaya's never brought a story like this up, so I don't know if she's ever experienced this. But, Beth, I know you have. I have, Sister Jayhad. I know you have. You all have woken up to that moment where you feel the body weight sitting on top of you holding you down. You can't see the thing. You can feel the thing breathing on you. Sometimes you can either hear it growling at you. But one thing for sure, you feel the body weight of something stronger than you holding you down that won't let you talk, it won't let you yell. You can think and you know clearly what's going on, and you're terrified because you, you're wide awake. This ain't a dream. <laughs> it's not a dream. But for some odd reason, I can't move. I can't scream. I can't yell. But I feel like somebody's sitting on top of me trying to strangle me. Mm-hmm. Now, the doctor will come and tell you, oh, that's just sleep paralysis. Well, see, sleep paralysis shouldn't make a person feel like they're being strangled. If it was just I wake up and I can't move, cool, sleep paralysis. But when it's scary and the energy in the room is terrifying, you can't convince me that that's just because I woke up, but my body didn't wake up with my mind yet. Make that make sense. I'm awake, but my body's not awake. So I'm consciously aware, but because your body hasn't woke up yet, you can't move. That's the way they try to explain it. Go for it. So what is the 
the answer for that? Ask your question in a different way. So when that event is taking place, how do you get out of it? How do you get out of that? Um, depending on what it is you're dealing with, the best thing to do is just I seek refuge in Allah. That's the best thing to do. If you can't, so without, if you can't, if you can't say it out loud, you say it in your mind. That's how I always get would get out of it. Right. Say it in my mind. Um, I go ahead, Sister Sabaya. I have experience where that I do that. It's kind of like fighting your way out of a dream. You know, right, you, you right. Fight out of a dream to the point where you wake up. Uh, same thing for me. Um, I always seek God, <laughs> and, and and when I was when and and when I was deep into the Christian religion, it was Jesus. You called on Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Now, for me personally, Sister Beth, to answer your question, from a personal, once I figured out who I was, meaning all that God says I am, all power, all ability, who I am in the kingdom, then at a moment like that, it's more it's 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 more about like dealing with the bully in in, in elementary school. I don't know if you ever had to deal with a bully or not. A bully will bully you as long as it feels that it can intimidate you. But the moment you stand up to the bully and let the bully know you're not afraid of it, and I'll knock you off your high horse if you don't if you touch me again and see what happens. And so for me, that's pretty much how I bring myself out of it. I I I I I, I flex my authority. Right, well, that's because now, you can actually do something to it after instead of after you say do something and see what happens. You got to see what happens behind it. I don't have to see what right. happens behind it. I got you now. I think I told you all this story, but this was like last year. I went through a period where Fazer was very difficult for some reason. And when I say difficult, I mean getting actually waking up. I would the 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 alarm would go off. I would wake up, and what I found started to happen was um, I would get agitated. I would get so agitated. Lord, I would just get agitated. Cut it off. So I would cut it off, and then I would find that it was like a heavy sleep would come right back over me, and I would just pass out. And then, of course, eventually when I would wake up, I would remember, and I would feel so bad, like, oh, I missed Pazer. Sun's up. So, of course, I went and prayed. I still did Pazer. The sun was up, but I would still do it. So after about a week or two of this, I went I went to a lot, and I asked him, because at this point, I'd done everything. I remember at one point, I had four alarms set. You set four alarms, all that go off five minutes after each other. How do you still miss Fosher? How? Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about alarms right next to me. I put each alarm in different places of the room that will force me to have to get up, walk across the room to go shut that alarm off. 
But somehow I find myself back in the bed, knocked out sleep. So as I begin to pray about it, Allah begin to reveal to me that it wasn't a sleep issue I was dealing with. It was a gin issue I was dealing with. And the particular gin did not like to get up to pray. And it would put me under this deep hypnotic sleep. And that's why it was almost like I would – I don't know if you ever woke up and you're up, but you're not up. Does that make sense? You're up walking around. You're cutting off the alarm. You're flicking off lights or whatever, but you are still literally sleeping away. No, I'm the only one who experienced. <laughs> no, no, you don't. No, I got you. What you're talking about? Was well, that that similar to a um a whisper experience? It would almost be like a whisper because what would go on at the moment of cutting the alarm off and then get ready to go do voodoo and everything, you would I would hear the voice or myself say, "Well, you still got five minutes left before Fajr." actually comes in, just lay back down for a minute. Just you got a few minutes, especially in the way it's cold. Just get back under the cover. Just lay down for five minutes and then get up then do Fazer. And then five minutes turns into the sun being up. Like, bro, what happened? <laughs> so yeah, so that's why uh Tina, for me it was weird because it I, I felt it, and it, it did not matter. And I'm not talking about because I stayed up late the night before and was, it wasn't none of that. And that's why it was troubling me. So I even tried to go to bed early, early. I went to bed one night at 8 at night just so I could get up. And that next morning, it was the same overwhelming feeling. So anyways, when Allah began to show me it was a gin issue, not me, and he guided me on how to deal with it, dealt with it. So when I would wake up, I would always know right away, and I would tell the thing, I know you in here. And one day, I'm going to catch you. I'm going to catch you. I'm going to catch you. So I started fighting back. So at that point, it was a personal matter to me to get up. Because it wasn't just me obeying a lot. It was me fighting for my life because this thing was trying to hinder me. So one particular morning, I woke up. It was about an hour or two before Fazer, and I was just laying in the dark. And as I was looking straight ahead, I saw the silhouette of a tall figure. But it was walking towards the bed. And when it got so close to the bed, I happened to see what looked like, the best way I can explain it would be like a force field that was at the, the foot of the bed, like a like an aura or a light, a dim light around the bed. And this thing could only go that far, and it would stop, and it would just stare at me. And I saw it as clear as day. And this went on for about two not, two two mornings. Well, the third morning, I anticipated it to happen, so I kept my phone right next to me. Because my goal was I was going to take a picture of the thing to prove to myself that I'm not tripping. So that morning, I woke up, and I looked, and it was standing there. So I grabbed the phone real quick, and I snapped the picture in the dark. And then as soon as I snapped the picture, it was like the hypnotic moment came when I went into the blackout. When I came back to myself, it was daylight. But I instantly remembered the picture. So I opened the phone, and, of course, it was all black. But because of where the window was, there was just a little bit of light coming through that window. So I, I 
play with the lighting and the picture. Long story short, I was able to outline what looked like a man. He had pointed elf-like ears, a pointed nose, and he had on a long black cloak and just stood over by the bed in the window. So now that I realize, okay, I know where it likes to hide out at, I purposely woke up one day and I went in the bathroom. And um, and, and what made me do this is remembering a story from the prophet where he had talked about whenever you were harassed by this, these things, and if you could figure it out where it likes to hide out and, and basically put yourself in protective mode under Allah, Go over to the thing as quickly as you can and grab it. And Muhammad explained that if 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 you could catch this thing, it it'll fight with you. Well, anyways, do y'all remember me telling y'all the story? Or have I never told this story about when I grabbed the thing and, and fought with it? I don't, I don't remember this one. Okay, so I ended up grabbing the thing. And fought with the thing. And for me, this was where the reality of these are not spirit beings clicked into me. They're not spirits. They're they're just as real as you and I. I can't explain how they can be invisible. I can't explain that part. I don't I don't know that science. All I can tell you is, is that they're not uh transparent, stick your hand through them beings. They're very solid beings. Um, so when you all feel that heaviness sitting on you in the morning, that, that's, that's a solid thing that just, you just don't see it. Um, and again, I don't tell these stories to make us scared. I, I do tell these stories to make us aware that, uh, it, it's real. Okay. 7179. Sora 7 verse 179. This is what I want us to look at real quick. And then, Sister Jehad, if you could read 179, and I'm going to go find this last ayat, and then we'll end with that one. Already have we urged unto hell many of the gems and humankind, having hearts wherewith they understand not, and having eyes wherewith they see not, and having ears wherewith they hear not. These are as the cattle. No but they are more astray. These are the neglectful. Okay, so in that verse, and I didn't even think that it was going to bring that up. In that verse, we're about to call them cattle. Are we talking about animals? Right, no, no. He said, he said, men and humankind. But yet the jinn and the humankind, according to Allah, are equated to cattle. So, again, even from the Quran, we're not putting out cows out in the yard eating grass. But we're talking about a group of people. But because of their personalities and their characteristics, this is why they're called cattle. Makes sense. Okay, go to Sword 55. We'll close the Sora 55 today. So go to the Sora 55. Sister Beth, I know we only got a chance to answer one of your questions. One. 
So you got about what, five left? Yeah, about. But I remember Friday night you said you had six questions. So we Right, and then I added one out. today, so that, that puts me back to six because I added one. <laughs> 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 hey, I'm about to be like the genie in the bottle. You only get three now. <laughs> Choose wisely. Choose wisely. All right, Thor 55. And then we'll look at verse... Um, let's start at verse 33 first. Verse 33 first. Sister Beth, can you read verse 33? O company of men and men, if ye have power to penetrate all regions of the heavens and the earth, then penetrate them. You will never penetrate them save with our sanction. Okay, so there... There you have what I've been explaining for the last few weeks, that there is, seems to be a assembly or an alliance of jinn and humans who are working together on flight, trying to get out the dome. And a lot of challenges them. If you, think you can, if you think you can penetrate the heavens, go ahead and try it. But you won't penetrate them unless I function it. So the only way you're going to get up here is if I tell the guardians, don't let them through the gate. Now, in this verse, Allah does not specify to us if he's ever allowed them to get through the gates or not. He just makes it clear that just because you hop in something and take off into the air does not guarantee that you're going to make it to your destination. And again, going back to Friday night, as far as we can get right now is up in the stratosphere. We've never been past the stratosphere. And the stratosphere is yet still inside the dome. So technically, we've not been out the dome yet, but we keep trying. Um, Sister Beth, you said something about a rainbow. What did you say? I was reading, reading, reading through something, and you said something about a rainbow. What did you say about a rainbow? Um, it was one of those dots that you connected. I was always, you know, you're taught in school that the rainbow is shaped like the rainbow because the water droplet is round and it just reflects the what is reflecting off the dome. Yeah, the rainbow is bent because the light is hitting against the solid dome and then has to bend. It's just like if there's sunlight coming through your window and you close the door halfway, you'll notice the light bends. It wraps itself around the object that's blocking the light from going straight. So the light will take on the formation of whatever is shining against. I don't know if you ever paid attention to light when it's shining in your house that way. I like to play with experiments with light because you actually find out that light can bend and shape itself in when the light ray coming through your window, next time you have a light ray coming through the window, play with it. You'll be amazed of what light can do, and you'll find that there's properties in light that I, they just didn't tell us all this in school. I, I never knew that light could bend. But then you find out that, yeah, light bends. So if light can bend, then that means that light 
can either allow object to be seen, or if the light doesn't bend with a particular object, even though the object is sitting there, you won't see the object because the light doesn't bend around that object. Going back to the angels and the jinn, until they step into our light, you won't see them, even though they're physically standing right there. Okay, question. What came first, light or darkness? Dark. Darkness. So darkness was first. <laughs> Oh, right. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> uh, darkness came first. Oh, you're good. Well, your fault. Uh, darkness came first. So what you need to understand, what the Bible describes as darkness, is what we understand today in science as dark matter, antimatter, which is just as real as the matter you have here. It's just because of the way the light reflects against antimatter, even though it's just as real as the matter you see, you don't see it. So in other words, with antimatter, you can walk into a whole other world of antimatter and be standing right there in an open green pasture. But you would never know you're in an open green pasture because the antimatter doesn't interact with the matter because of the light. Does that make sense what I'm saying or have I confused you? How you could be standing in an open green pasture in a different dimension, but because you're not conscious of that dimension that you're currently standing in because you're focused on this dimension, you don't realize that you're actually in two dimensions at one time and you just don't realize it because the two don't counteract against each other. They work together. It's amazing the world we live in. Okay, so so now I want you to jump down to verse uh, fifty six. Same same Sora, but just jump down to verse fifty six. What was the last okay. thing we read? That was um, fifty five thirty three. Thirty three. Now, Sister Beth, if you could read verse fifty six, please. Can you say that again? 55, chapter uh, 55. 55, 55, 56. Okay. And therein are those of modest days, whom neither man nor genie will have touched before them. Okay. So take that verse and then compare that verse to verse 74. So jump down to verse 74. Actually, for 74, I want you to start at 72 and then go into 74. Fair ones, close guarded in pavilions, which is of the favors of your Lord that you deny, whom neither man nor genie have touched before them, which is it of the favors of your Lord that you deny. Keep going. Reclining on green cushions and fair carpets, which is it of the favors of your Lord that you deny? Blessed be the name of the Lord, mighty and glorious. 
Okay, so now if you read the whole chapter in context, what Allah's dealing with are the rewards of the believers when we get to the hereafter. And one of the things he brings up, as far as the men are concerned, that we will have uh, pure spouses. And then Allah starts going into the fact that we would have pure spouses that neither jinn nor humans have touched, meaning had sexual contact with. So again, here's chronic proof that jinn can't have sex with women. Because if jinn couldn't have sex with women, it's pointless for Allah to bring up beautiful women that have not been touched by jinn, but the word genie is used instead of jinn, but it's the same thing, nor humans. So, jinn can touch physical women, have relations with them, produce children by them. Now, in closing, here's the reason why the jinn decided to have children. Because when the Creator made a judicial decision that humans were the viceroy of the earth, that's the legal document, the only way you can have authority in this earth is to be human. So, jinn, being born just full jinn, automatically ousts you from having authority in the earth. But now, if a jinn has sex with a human woman and then produces a half-breed baby, part human, part jinn, both mankind, so the baby's of mankind, but because of the human side, it now makes the child eligible for rulership in the earth. Because it's got the human side in it. So now we take our children, and when I say we, I'm referring to the evil jinn who did this. We take our human children that we had, and we make them the rulers and the leaders of the earth. And then we tell our children what to do, and therefore we still control the earth in a legal backdoor way. And the creator can't say nothing to us because we didn't do nothing illegal. We just found a loophole. Does it make sense what I'm showing you? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why. Go ahead, Sister Samaya. But wasn't having children with with humans illegal? It, it was illegal. It was illegal, but if you think about what I'm saying, if you remember in Genesis, not Genesis, but in the book of Enoch, when they landed at the top of Mount Hermon, Jamjaza makes the statement that I fear that what we came here to do, y'all going to back out. And y'all going to leave me to do this on my own. And they said, no, 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 no. We're all in this. So they said, let's make a secret oath that we all will go forward with this. So as I always bring up, it is very evident from the book of Enoch that this wasn't just they came and saw women and got excited and couldn't help themselves. This was more of an agenda that they came with the purpose of creating children for whatever reason. But now when you take all the scriptures and you put them together, you find out that the reason was this is the only way they could legally rule the earth without God calling them out on it. Because it's not them ruling, it's their descendants who would be of the human race. And that's why till this day when it comes to politics, and government, everybody's related. 
It's one big family that just has dominated the earth through politics and government. And it's kind of sad when you sit back and you start connecting the dots that that these leaders are not just 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 strangers to each other, but they're family. And then when you put the Rothschilds in it and how the Rothschilds seem to have absolute control over no matter what government of the world it is, the, the Rothschilds have control. And the Rothschilds appoint who they want to be in what seats over what government over what country. It's just one big happy family of canites just wreaking havoc. All right. Questions, comments? Go ahead. Okay, so from what I'm hearing and understanding that the bees to the field and, and the fowl the air, this was a gin and the hen, correct? But what in Genesis about the hen, how do you know about the hen? You just said it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Did I? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you said I you didn't want to get into it, but you said you didn't want to get into it, but they were the hen, and we'll go over that later. Okay, 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 I remember now. I remember now. You threw me for a minute. I was going to say, who told you about the hen, Sister Bell? <laughs> well, I mean, that? I've heard of them. I've heard of them before, but I didn't know that they were referred to as the fowl of the air. I always thought fowl of the air were like the dragons, and, you know, that's what Wait, I thought. Then ask yourself that. What, what's a dragon? Because if you look up the word dragon, it takes you back to the word seraphim or serpent. Yeah. dragons were considered flying serpents. Right. So these, oh. these weren't big fire-breathing dragons as fables have given us. These were of the gin type who just were different. And they had the They were made of fire. Right. So they were made yeah. of fire, not burning fire. <laughs> the fiery ones. The shining ones. Yeah. So, 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 by saying that, Sister Beth, it, it just brought something to my mind. We all heard the story of Goldilocks and the Three Bears, right? Yeah. Right. And we all heard the story of Little Red Riding Hood. And we've all heard the story of the boy who cried wolf. But let's deal with uh, Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Sister Laura, what's the moral of the story of Goldilocks and the Three Bears? <laughs> you don't forgot the story. No, I'm 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 replaying it in my mind and, right. and, and thinking it really didn't have a it really didn't have a moral to the story. Okay, okay. Sister Somebody been sleeping in my bed. Okay. Somebody oh, been sleeping in my bed. <laughs> Okay, so Sister Sabaya, if you had to figure out what is the moral to a child, because it's, it's a kid's story, so what, what's the lesson that a child is supposed to learn from the story of Goldilocks and the Three Bears? Oh, my goodness. Um, I really can't say for sure, because I'm like Sister Laura. I'm replaying it in my head, and the only thing I can think of in this way is that um, – uh, Goldilocks was a trespasser, so to say, 
are true meanings that are just covered up with stories. Mm-hmm. It is Very it, it's a matter of sitting is a matter of sitting down with this book and the lexicon and the dictionary to break down the story, pull away the fable, and get down to what really happened. And you find out that a lot of what we've been taught today is myth, may not be myth after all, but an actual reality that once existed or still exists in our earth. Um, again, like Beth just brought up dragons. Most people understand dragons from movies, but when you do a, a Hebrew study on dragons, dragons take you back to a group of beings called seraphim or shining serpents. Shining serpents take you back to the jinn. So the dragons would have been the jinn. And this is why you have tales in China of Kim Jong-un and all these Chinese and North Korean leaders. That's why they all are depicted as dragons, because they feel that their founder was a dragon. He was half man, half dragon. And this is true reality. You can look this up. The, the first emperor of China is considered half human, half dragon. And this is why every year over there in North Korea and China, they always have those big things where you see the people out with the dragons and the dragons jumping up and down and dancing mm-hmm. and stuff. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah, one of their holidays. Yeah. 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 And they celebrate the dragon. But the dragon to them is not the dragon that we understand from movies. It's depicting a being that had dragon-like characteristics that helped offshoot or kick off their their civilization. So you backtrack that and you figure out that this is a jinn. A jinn came to this area, probably had some kids, uh, made himself ruler, taught them civilization, taught them culture, made himself God, and then told them, I'm leaving, one day I'll be back. Y'all just continue to do what I told y'all to do, and until this day, these people esteem the dragon or this man as a god almost. So then when you get to Kim Young's family, this is why they say he's a god. Because his family comes through the bloodline of a god that came and helped kick off their civilization. But when you get down to who these gods are, these were the jinn who came and had sex with women and created these bloodline families who made themselves the rulers of the people, and they kept it that way for thousands of years now. The queen and the royal family, you track her back to a man named uh, 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 Vlad. Vlad the Impeller, who y'all know as Count Dracula. A blood-sucking man. He drank blood. He was a cannibal. Her bloodline comes from that. So, yeah. All right. Beth, do you have any other questions before we before we before we we end? My ADD just kicked in. Yeah, I'm pulling like five of them, but um, the question I was originally asking was the the in chapter two where it talks about um, you know that Adam didn't have a wife or have a mate, so God 
created all these beings, but I thought they were already created. They were. These are the people from day six. So why does it say that he then formed them from the ground and all this? Uh, because then I have to explain to you about the part where you don't see where it says it, that there was some teaming that took place. So, so when I say the word teaming, teaming, when I say the word teaming, does everybody understand what teaming is? No. no. Teaming, you said teaming. Teaming, T-E-E-M-I-N-G. Oh, no. Okay, Beth, Google that word real that, Yeah, Google that word real quick. What's the definition of teaming? This is not going to be, be part two class. Be full or swarming with. Okay, so in that creation story, there's a part about some teaming that takes place. And you don't see it unless you go to the lexicon, but there's a part where there's some swarming. Some germinating of atoms take place. And this is what happens between day five, day six, so by the time you get to day seven, what what the, the created what'd you say? Test two babies. <laughs> did you say test two babies? Yes I did. Oh, <laughs> That's basically what you're saying. Right. I'm confused, too, because I thought the gin and the were made of fire. How are they made of the dirt? Okay, so let me say this. I figured this was going to come up today, but I was hoping it didn't, because that's going to require an entire class for me to just break this down. In a nutshell, what was our first father made from? Our first father, you mean Adam? Yes. Dirt, mud, mud. Uh, mud, mud, dirt mixed with water that became black mud that got altered and let dry out and, and hardened in hard clay. Okay, mm -hmm. so Matina, how did you get here? Uh, a reproduction, a, a sperm. <laughs> Okay, so even though you are you are the same makeup as your first father Adam, the way you came into existence is completely different than the way he did. Can you admit that? Yeah. Okay, so the gin who were created from fire, if you can get what I'm saying, they the original was created from fire, but when the duplication started doesn't necessarily mean that they all were created from fire. Just as much as when people die, we go to the grave, and we say, ashes to ashes, dust to dirt. From dirt you came, and to dirt shall you return. But in reality, I didn't come from dirt. I came from my mama and my daddy in a sperm cell that hit the egg, and then life happened. So why do we say from dirt we came and from dirt shall we return when I never came from dirt? Because the actuality is the dirt part comes from the fact of our original makeup. So it would be the same way on the gin. Even though all of them were not born from fire, Sister Beth, their, their origins are from fire. But the natural birth process 
has been like ours. Their fathers mate with women, a sperm cell hits the egg, the mama pushes it out, and the baby's born. So they're right, but it says they were made from dirt. What'd you say? It's right, but it says they were made from dirt. Are you saying that that part? I'm confused. How did God take yeah, the, the being that was because, made from fire and we make them from dirt? And the best way I can answer you on this without us having another class is you're trying to equate truth from a lie. Oh. So that part was important completely? Pretty much because there's no purpose of creating the day six people from dirt when there's clearly above, a few verses above, that day six people, beasts of the field, were already created. So it makes no logical sense to recreate the thing you just got done creating. But to elude you to believe that we're talking about animals, we now have to throw this part in here. So I told you the story. I just didn't tell you the whole story. Or does that confuse you even more? <laughs> it does, but for the sake of time, I, oh, I can put a pin in that one. We'll, we can do it later. Okay. All right. right. I'm, I know you'll, you'll, I'm sure you'll cover it on another class. In the end, have I provoked your mind enough to, to realize that it is very possible that the beasts of the field that we're reading about are not animals? That's that's my main that was my main yeah. goal today. Absolutely. Okay. That so we have accomplished what we need to accomplish, and then yes, I will come back and visit this, and then break down the four different categories of cattle, fowl of the air, and all that good stuff to, to identify who these people were. Because you got to remember, there's a history about Neanderthals, there's history about other beings that it seemed they were here, and then next thing we know, they were, they were gone. Okay. And we're not talking about just extinction. It's just They just kind of just vanished. What happened to the dinosaurs? It's evident that Earth once had huge dinosaurs, but what happened to them? Where did they go? Science tells us a comet hits the earth and, 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 and calls everything the ice over. Whether that happened or not, we don't know. The point I'm making is, again, we are not the first creation on this earth. And you have to remember, earth is like 3.4 billion years old. I think it's going into its fourth billion birthday here soon. So we're looking at at least four billion years the Earth has existed. So in the four billion years that the surface of this Earth has been here, the Bible only tells us about our origins. It doesn't really go into details about the origins of those before us. The Bible just starts off with our origins, and it seems to want to emphasize Abraham's descendants. So it's telling us only one fragment of the story, not telling us the whole story, just the, our version that we need to know with our creation with Adam leading up to a father Abraham, leading into Isaac, into 12 tribes, leading into Jesus, and that's the story the Bible's telling us. But it's not telling us everything. Make sense? Yes.
So then to get everything, which takes a long time to do, this is where you have to be open-minded and not be one of those people that say, all I need is the 66 of my KJV. All the rest of the books, I don't need that. If God wanted those in the Bible, they would have been in there. So obviously they're not in there for a reason. And it's like, yeah, if you sound, if you only realize what you just said and really question why aren't the other books in there, but you think because God took them out, that's why it's okay. Okay. And then there's those type of people that you just have to kind of bow out. You just got to bow out sometimes. Not necessarily cower down from the truth, but people like that, there's no point of wasting your energy and your time trying to explain the Star Wars version of the story, like Sister Jaha brought up the other day. Have you ever tried to tell your family or friends about other races of beings living here with us or before us and they just look at you crazy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So people like that, there's no point of wasting your time or energy trying to convince them of this because it's not clearly stated in the Bible. Even though it's in the Bible, going back to Samaya's point, the cunningness that the story's there but the way it's worded is not there. It's like now you see it, now you don't. All right. So we'll finish up Wednesday night, and you all look for the link here in a minute. The other